Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. We're going to be talking about fake news from the Christmas story. Uh, what do you think of when you think of fake news? Uh, <laughs> that's about how I feel. I'm kind of, this, by the way, this is not a political statement. I'm kind of one of those, you, know, you ask me what I think about the ele- election coming up. I'm one of those giant meteor 2020 guys. You know, like, <laughs> like we're just, we're, we're in trouble. Um, so, uh, but a lot of people have been talking about like, how, can you trust this news? Can you not trust this news? In the Christmas story, the way that we kind of portray it, there's some what we call like fake news. And I'm gonna, we're going to talk about what that, that fake news is. I don't know if you've ever seen, you know what I mean by a nativity set? You know what that is? It's like, you know, old people really like them. They, they're the big, ugly, light up, you know, in your grandma's yard or whatever. Um, if you look hard at that nativity set and you read your Bible really well, what you're going to realize is some of the, n- nothing against mama, but some of those items in that nativity set aren't exactly found in the Bible. Um, when, you go, when you go home for Christmas or when you visit grandma for Christmas, please don't like tell her how crappy her nativity set is. Like don't be that, per- don't be that like actually kind of person. Just don't. Okay, this isn't, this isn't meant to be like, you know, like harping on grandma's nativity set. Um, but when we look at some of those things and we realize what's true and what's in the Bible, it really helps us to see Jesus for who he is and why Christmas is so important. So tonight we're going to talk about um, one of those fake, fake things. And I'm going to start out by um, asking how many of you have seen the movie Freaky Friday? You know what that is? You've seen it. There are actually like three different, I think three different Freaky Friday movies. There's one from like 60s and 70s. There's one like it was made in the 90s. And then there's one Lindsay Lohan did before she kind of went off the rails. Um, so, yeah, so um, yeah, but you know, you know the general premise behind Freaky Friday or the plot? It's that um, you know, the mom thinks that her teenage daughter has it so much easier. She wishes she had her life. The teenage daughter thinks it's so much easier to be the mom so that they wake up one day and they find that they have switched places. Like the, 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 the teenage girl is in the mom's body, uh, the mom's body is in the teenage girl's body. And what they realize is the mom realizes man, it really sucks to be a teenager these days. And the teenager realizes, wow, it's really kind of hard to be a parent and handle those responsibilities. So if you could switch places with anyone for a day, who would you switch with? Obama? Obama? He's got it easy right now. He's done. He's he's, he's already finished, you know. So yeah, that might be be nice. I think April said she'd switch with Mary Lemming. that that'd be an interesting uh interesting one. Anybody else? There's someone you're just dying to switch. Michelle Obama. Michelle Obama. Okay. <laughs> hey, I'm with you. I'm a Michelle fan. Um, so anybody else? You got you got somebody you just have to switch with? No. Okay. Um, here's here's kind of where I'm going with this. We're in, in the middle school group. Somebody's like, uh, Matt, where are you going with this? Like, are we going to talk about the Bible? Yes, we're going to <laughs> we're going to talk about the Bible. Um, here here's the here's the here's the the big thought. Um, just like the people switched places on Freaky Friday, and just like you'd like to switch places with somebody else, um, when Jesus came to earth, he switched places with you, and he switched places with me. That Jesus was born into our situation. Uh, when we think of God, sometimes, when I grew up, I had this weird picture of God. I don't know where I got it from, but as this like old man in a toga. 
I think I was thinking more Zeus than I was thinking God. You know, this old man in a toga with like this long flowing beard that was going like this. And he had a couple lightning bolts like ready to zap some people who really had no idea what it was like to be a, someone like me or someone like you. Um, but because Jesus was born, he knows what it's like to be a person and, and what it's like, actually what it's like to be a teenager. So that's going to be what we're talking about tonight is um, how Jesus was born into our situation. But there's some fake news surrounding how Jesus was born. So we're going to talk about that. Um, but as we get into that, um, you can open your Bible if you have your Bible with you to Luke chapter 2. It's the quintessential, you know, gather around grandpa reading the Christmas story passage, you know. But, um, but we're, just, we're going to read the first uh, seven verses of, or yeah, seven verses of Luke 2. We're going to talk about some you know, later in the passage. We're just going to read those seven verses um, to get a good idea as to what's going on. So in verse 2, in those days, or excuse me, chapter 2, verse 1, in those days there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This is the first registration when Quirinius, that'd be a name and a half to have, was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. I like that word betrothed. It sounds very classy. Verse 6, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, that sounds cozy, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So, sorry, I'm like in the process of losing my voice, so don't be offended if I just like take a quick like sip like that. Um, so we're going to, as we read through this passage, the first thing we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about the fake news. This is the fake news. The fake news is that Jesus was born in a barn. Uh, there are a lot of songs that were written about Jesus being born in a barn. Um, most of the pictures, if you just Google Jesus' birth, <laughs> there's always weird things on Google image search, but most of the pictures is of, of, of Jesus in, you know, and Mary and Joseph in a barn. And there's usually like a cow or a sheep or you know, various barnyard animals, I guess you could say, you know, surrounding Jesus. And, um, and he's, he's in a barn. Um, and the narrative kind of goes like this. We've even made up characters that don't even exist in the Bible. The narrative goes like this. Mary and Joseph are traveling. And Mary's sitting like on a donkey. Joseph's like pulling the donkey along. You know, have you seen these kind of like videos, movies? And, and Mary is in like the, he, the, the throes of pregnancy. Like she's in labor. And she's like doubling over. And, and Joseph is frantically trying to get this donkey to Bethlehem where they're supposed to be. And... Um, and, and Joseph is like, you know, he's like knocking on all the doors of the hotels. He's getting to go to the Holiday Inn, the Motel 6. You know, he, he's going to the Hyatt. He's, going, he's knocking on all these doors and trying, hey, do you have any room for my, my, my wife to a place to stay and give birth? Do you have any room? Do you have any room? And, and, you know, then we've made up this innkeeper who doesn't exist in the Bible. This gruff innkeeper comes out of the, yeah, out of the inn and he says, sorry, there's no room here, but I've got a barn in the back that you, you can, you can, your wife can give birth in, you know. And so, so Joseph, you know, takes Mary to this barn with all these animals and she, she gives birth. And that's kind of what we hear a lot as the Christmas story. And what we see a lot represented visually and in, even in grandma's nativity, there's usually a barn. So um, what's interesting is the Bible says nothing about a donkey. It says nothing about Joseph knocking on hotel room doors. It says nothing about farm animals. And it says nothing about an innkeeper. Wow, <laughs> that, 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 that kind of shocks me when I think about all the songs about Christmas and then I think about it's in the Bible. Here's the real news. 
Jesus was born in front of a lot of people. Uh, the first thing that stood out to me, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a I, you, you guys know how I am. I like to circle, highlight, note things in my Bible. And one thing we always look for, like when we're studying the Bible, is words that repeat so we can see an emphasis of like a particular set of verses. What's interesting about this particular set of verses, verses one through seven, of the seven, <laughs> seven of them, five of them don't talk about Jesus being born at all. They talk about, and this is the word that's repeated over and over, a registration. Joseph and Mary going to be registered. And we could get in a long historical thing, but you've had enough history today at school probably. But Joseph and Mary lived in Israel and in a place called Judea. That was a province of this Roman Empire. This is when Rome owned and was in control of the entire world. That's when the Caesars were in, in control. So Caesar Augustus, which really wasn't his real name, that was a title that he had, but Caesar Augustus was the leader. He was the emperor of Rome, and he said he wanted to tax everyone. So everybody had to go and register at these Roman um, checkpoints, and they had to give their name, their occupation, how much money they made, how much property they had, who was in their family, all these things so that Rome, yeah, the Roman government could figure out how much money they wanted to take from them. So... Um, I don't know, maybe he was kind of like Obama, Dylan. Uh, I'm just joking. Um, so, <laughs> um, uh, but, but that was going on. And the, the Jewish people, Joseph and Mary were Jewish people. They hated being controlled by the Roman government. So Luke, is ma- the, who God inspired to write this book, is he, this is a big deal to them. And why does he go through so much detail about like this registration, registration, registration? Because you can follow every one of those registrations that were done in the Roman Empire. There are historical accounts of all those registrations. They were done every 14 years until the year, um, I think it was 82, 40 something. So these registers happen every 14 years. And you can, it says this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. You can actually go back, find out when Quirinius was governor of Syria, when that first registration was. You can actually find a date when, a year when Jesus was born. If you follow all these registrations back, you can find out that Jesus was born in the year 6 BC, which is kind of funny if you know how the Roman dating system works. You know, BC before Christ, Jesus was born six years before Christ. It's kind of funny, Um, but ironic, I guess. But Luke wants you to know Jesus was a real person. He was born during a real time, and he can tell you the year he was born, which is exciting. Um, But what does that have to do with anything? Well, this census was going on, so Joseph and Mary had to take their family back to his, like, homeland, which was Bethlehem. They lived in Nazareth. It was a hundred-mile journey. You know, that's not a big deal to us, but back then they don't have Ferraris. They don't have, you know, you know they don't have cars, so you have to, they don't have uh, Cummins diesels. So, you know, you have, to, um, you, you have to walk by foot or you have to take an animal. So it was about a week-long journey. What we know about Joseph and Mary is they rarely traveled alone. You have an account later in Luke chapter 2 of when Jesus was older and they went to the temple in Jerusalem. They traveled in this huge caravan with all their family from Nazareth. So it's likely that Joseph and Mary traveled in this caravan of people to get to Bethlehem. And when they got there, Mary was not in labor. Look at verse 6. Look at what it says. It says, and while they were there, while they were in Jerusalem, they weren't going to Jerusalem. They were in Jerusalem. They had arrived. They had set up. The time came for her to give birth. So this wasn't this big emergency, like, oh, we got to find a place for Mary to give birth. They, they knew she was going to give birth. They found a place to stay, and she gave birth. 
But this is where it gets really interesting. The word inn in the Bible doesn't mean hotel. It says there was no room for them in the inn. So that's where we get this picture of you know, Joseph knocking on the door, innkeeper coming out saying, there's no room here, you can stay in my barn. You know, the word inn in, in Luke is also translated in Luke twenty two twenty one, 21, the guest room or the upper room. This word referred to a guest room that was built on the top of like a Middle Eastern house. So, you know me, I had to find a picture of a Middle Eastern house and I found a picture of a Middle Eastern house and this is a picture of a Middle Eastern house. So, it's likely that Joseph and Mary would have been staying with relatives. Here's how people lived back then. On the bottom floor, which was a dirt floor, they would, ha- they would actually have a kitchen, and then they- their animals would come in and out the front door. So they would keep their animals on the first floor. It's weird for us to think, this, yeah, this is totally different time culture, you know, 2,000 years ago, Middle East. Um, they would keep their animals outside, but when it was nighttime, when they would go to bed, they'd bring their animals in in the, the downstairs, the, yeah, the ground floor. They'd lock the doors so the animals couldn't be stolen, so that nothing could get to the animals and that they would be safe. People slept on the top floor of the house. And they really didn't have bedrooms. It was just one big uni bed and uni bedroom. Everybody, you know, the whole family. Yeah, what would that be like at your house? You know, whole, fl- whole family just kind of like lays out on a cot, but that's how it works. When they would have guests, some people would build a guest room, kind of a third story, like a small room on the top of the house where another ladder would take you up to. And that would be called the guest room. Other translations sometimes call it the inn or when Jesus was asking for a place to eat the Passover meal with his disciples he referred to it as a guest room the same word so all that to say this a lot of families in Bethlehem you know what it's like when everybody comes to your house for Thanksgiving and you're just like ready for your family to get the you know what out of there or is it just me you know, my grandpa always says family's like fish. It stinks after about five days. Uh, <laughs> he's a real, real cool guy. Um, so all those people, imagine being surrounded by all those people, packed house, and you have to give birth. I mean, for some of us like me, it's harder to imagine than others. But uh, yeah, so, so would it be better for Mary to give birth in one of these bedrooms where there's a bunch of people, or would she have privacy downstairs where they maybe had access to more water and more way, you know, more, more, more items to keep things sanitary, probably downstairs. So she gave birth and then what does she do? She laid him in a manger. Mangers in the first century, we don't have a picture of this, but there would be windows cut into the, um, the downstairs and they would put the feeding troughs inside the windows so that if your animal was in for the night, it could get to the feeding trough. If it was outside during the day, it could eat from the feeding trough. All that to say, the feeding troughs were in the windows. So Mary would have put Jesus in this manger, in this feeding trough. Why is that so important? Well, the shepherds, if you look further into this passage, passage, excuse me, the angels appear to the shepherds and say, this baby's been born, the Savior, and this is how you'll find him. In verse 12, it says, it'll be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. The shepherds were in the outskirts of town. They, you know, they were in Salt Rock. You know, Jesus was born in Barbersville. <laughs> they had to come into town, you know. Um, so what do you do at, you know, in the middle of the night? How do you find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger in an over, you know, Jerusalem was overcrowded because of the sense it was kind of like Barbersville with Fall Fest, you know, way too many people in one little town. It was like, that's Barbersville. Um, how do you find a baby? You just knock on every door asking for a baby? That's weird. You know, that, that, that's going to get your face knocked in, you know, three in the morning. Hey, you guys got a baby in there? Yeah. yeah. Um, how would the shepherds find the baby? 
Well, if Jesus was in one of these mangers that was in a window that was visible from the outside of the street, the shepherd could walk down the streets of Bethlehem, look, and oh, there's the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger that the angel told me about. And that's what we find that the, the shepherds did. So a lot of people, all that to say, a lot of people saw Jesus as a newborn baby. Why? <laughs> I know I spent a lot of time establishing that a lot of people saw Jesus as a newborn baby. Why is that so important? Well, here's why it's so important. You know, Luke was, anybody know what Luke's occupation was? Who got inspired to write this? He was a doctor. Um, he was a medical doctor. Luke probably knew a thing or two about birth, right, and the birthing process. I learned way more than I needed to when I went to a birthing class and had to watch videos. Um, I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, PTSD. Um, so, but, but, so Luke would know if a baby was born, right? That's all. <laughs> that's what we want to leave it at. Jesus, we know, was God. You know, we know he represented God to, to, to humanity. But Jesus wasn't just God. This is what Luke is trying to establish. Jesus was God and he was a human. God and man, 100% God, 100% man, the hypostatic union, God and Abad. Jesus was God, but he was also a human, and he was born. Luke wants you to know that he was born. Why is that so important? That's where the good news comes in. The good news is Jesus was born into our situation. I think this is so wild to think about, that Mary gave birth to Jesus. She lied him in a manger, laid him in a manger, and for the first time ever, Jesus cried. That's what babies do when they're hungry, right? For the first time ever, God felt human hunger. Jesus would grow up later being a human, fully human. In the end of this chapter, it says, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God. And man. So Jesus grew up and became a teenager. And Jesus went through puberty. That's weird. I wonder... <laughs> I wonder which, whether it was Mary or Joseph that had to have the sex talk with Jesus. That'd be weird. <laughs> and Jesus is like, yeah, I know. I designed all that. <laughs> you don't have to tell me. Jesus, you think maybe he woke up one day, looked in the mirror and saw a, a zit the size of Mount Vesuvius. He had to pop a zit. That's why I, I tried to find a picture of somebody popping a zit on Google uh, Images. Man, there's some disgusting pictures on Google Images. But Jesus went through things that teenagers go through because Jesus was a teenager. I wrote down some things that Jesus went through. Maybe acne. I'm 34 years old, still going through that. Um, friend drama. I mean, one of his friends killed him, so that, that qualifies as friend's drama. Family issues. Jesus knows what it's like to live with people who are not blood relatives to you. Jesus had a stepdad. Jesus had half-brothers and half-sisters. Jesus felt hunger. Jesus felt loneliness. The Bible says that Jesus would often go to lonely places to pray. He knows what it's like to be a human and feel alone. Jesus even, I think, went through a bout of anxiety. You read when Jesus prayed in the garden before he died on the cross, he said, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. So when we try to explain the anxiety that we feel and the attacks that come on and we, we tell people and they, they just don't seem to get it, Jesus gets it. Jesus knows what it's like to be angry. We read in the Bible that Jesus was angry. So angry you can't see straight. 
Jesus went through human things. That's why, for me, it's helpful. In Hebrews 4.15, it says that Jesus is able to sympathize with our situation. He's our great high priest, and he can sympathize with our situation because he was tempted in every way, yet did not sin. Jesus was, was human. He felt physical pain when he died for our sins. You, know, you struggle with physical pain, emotional pain, family things. You look in the mirror, you don't like what you see. Jesus knows what it's like to be a human. God knows what it's like to be a human because Jesus was born into our situation. And he didn't just experience our situation. He fixed our situation, right? He died on the cross. He took away the eternal consequences of sin, which is, which is an eternal death in a place called hell. He is coming back. He came as a human. He's going to come again as a human and God and a judge. And he's going to remedy every consequence of sin, every injustice, every wrong, every bad thing that's ever been done by someone to someone, said about someone. Jesus is going to fix it. So he didn't just come into our situation. He fixed our situation by dying on the cross. I've had a couple things, situations that I've been made aware of this week that have reminded me of just how much we, like as people, as humans, we need Jesus. How much hurt there is in our world. Um, I learned of a mother who was pregnant with a daughter who overdosed on drugs and died this week. Um, I've learned of people going through just struggles at home. I've talked to a guy who, his house burnt down. We face real things and serious things. And life is, sometimes it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's Christmas. Sometimes it can be fun. But deep inside, we wonder, does anybody really get me? Does anybody really understand the, the hurt that I have, the way I feel inside, what it's like to be me? Jesus gets it because he was born into your situation. So that was the good news. We've had the fake news, real news, the good news. We're going to end with the hard news. I saved the hardest for last. And it's hard, but it's also exciting. The hard news is this, that Jesus calls us or wants us to take his name into someone else's situation. I, I feel like I'm going through early 2000s movies here and Lindsay Lohan movies. There's a theme here that I just realized like now. But um, yeah, how many of y'all seen the movie Mean Girls? It's like one of those like timeless, I feel, movies, you know? Yeah, yeah, okay. So, so um, yeah, the, the, the famous quote that people say, you, know, you can't sit with us, right? Um, that a lot of times, whether we realize it or not, whether I think maybe we even mean to do this or not, sometimes we're like the mean girls and um, we are the, we're like the gatekeepers of who is allowed to have access to the hope that is within us. But Jesus said this, remember Jesus came to this world as a human. He was sent by God the Father. Then in John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said this to his followers, which is us, those of us that believe in Jesus. He said, as the Father has sent me, Jesus sent us, or sent Jesus, God sent Jesus to our situations. The Father has sent me, so I am sending you to the world. So Jesus sends us, once he has come to our situation, once we meet him, once we believe in him, he sends us to take his name to people who they need Jesus in their situation. Maybe like when I was talking about that, you can think of, there's a name in your mind. Somebody's face popped into your mind that you, 
Not in like a judgmental, like you need Jesus kind of way, but like a, man, they're going through hard stuff and they need Jesus. Like they need to know that there's somebody who gets them and who understands what they're going through. That's what Jesus is telling us to do. He said it like this in Philippians 5, uh, two verses 5 and 8. He said, have the same mind that Jesus had in leaving the glory of heaven to become like us. So we have that same mind when we leave, you know, all the awesomeness that we think we have and get into somebody else's situation that maybe nobody else, everybody else is like, hey, don't, don't do that, man. They're crazy. They're messed up. You know, that's going to hurt, you know, that's going to hurt your social status. You know, people are going to think you're weird if you talk to that person. Jesus wants you to take your name, take his name to someone else's situation. So how do we do that? I've got some B words for you. I always try to make them F words. They don't always get to be F words, um, but I've got B words for you. Um, so some practical ways that we can take Jesus' name into somebody else's situation. And I, it's just one slide. They're all going to be on there. The first is backpack kids. You know, we've been talking about that all night is adopt one of them. Yeah. Everybody needs Jesus. Nobody necessarily needs Jesus more than anybody else, but if there's ever been anyone who definitely needs Jesus, like I get to see some of, the, some of the faces of these kids, and they're not all kids. I mean, some of them are teens. The ones we're shopping for are going to be teenagers. Imagine being a teenager and coming home and finding your mom strung out on drugs on the couch. Nobody to fix you dinner, nobody to order you a pizza. You're on your own. Man, they need to have Jesus in their situation because when we deliver these gifts, it's not just, Here, here's a bag full of gifts, have a good Christmas. It's a, hey, is there any way that we can help you? Can we meet with you next week and, and get you some tutoring? Would you like a Bible? Would you like to learn about Jesus? We get to have that access to be able to not just physically meet needs, but meet spiritual needs and take the name of Jesus to these, the situation of these students. Um, the next thing is befriend someone and bring Jesus into their situation. If you're like me, you're like, you, you know people are going through stuff and you're like, man, that really sucks for them. I should do something. And then, ding, you know, something comes up and you totally forget about it. Like tonight, like <laughs> right now, like before you walk through the door, text someone, snap someone, say, hey, we should get together. We should meet up. Well, you want to have lunch with me tomorrow? Befriend someone and bring Jesus into their situation. The next one's be honest about your need for Jesus. We're talking a lot about other people, but the, you know, the honest truth is you need Jesus too. You need Jesus in your situation because the Bible says that we're all dead in our sins. But if we believe in Jesus, we believe in his death on the cross, that he died for our sins, we can have a resurrection life through him. So we need to be honest. You know, it wasn't Joseph knocking on doors saying, hey, anybody got room for Jesus? It wasn't that Jesus needed room in this world for him. It's that we need to make room in our hearts for Jesus. The final thing is believe Luke's eyewitness account of Jesus. If you know, you're here tonight and you know, you, you, you're like, I can't remember, somebody said like, I, I, yeah, I, don't, I don't know if I believe what you're talking about, Matt, but I just kind of like enjoy the vibe here. Like I like coming, like I like being around people. Um, if you're like that and you're not sure you believe, what I want to ask you to do tonight when you get home, if you don't have a Bible, you download the YouVersion app on your phone or we have free Bibles you can just take at the table. Look at the first chapter here, Luke, and read his account. He says that he has, from the beginning, followed all things closely and written an orderly, accurate account of what he saw Jesus do. So, maybe for the first time you realize Jesus isn't just like something on a nativity scene. Jesus was a real person. He lived this earth. He died for me so that I can live forever with him. Um, believe Luke's eyewitness account of Jesus. So, I'm going to pray. And then um, we're going to get out of here. I got us out five minutes early tonight. 
so that you'll have time to stop at the table back there and, say, and see Matt um, and, um, and sign up for a backpack kit. Everybody see, everybody knows Matt, right? I mean, yeah, if you don't know Matt, you're missing out. He needs to wear those shorts again. Um, <laughs> uh, he's already got some middle school customers back there, so I'll let him to it. Um, so we're going to pray, um, and we're going to get out of here. Um, we're going to put somebody in the middle tonight. Let's put this. No, I'm pointing to you, Daniel. You come. I'm putting you in the middle. Yeah, you. You. Get up here. We're going to put you in the middle. So, yeah, we're going to pray for Dan and um, Dan the man. And uh, so everybody get up. Um, gather around. Put your hands on this guy. Hug him till it's weird. Touch somebody in the name of Jesus. It's not, it, it's not weird if you're doing it in, in, in church. <laughs> Sometimes it is. <laughs> so come on in here. Reach out and touch somebody. And we're going we're gonna to pray for Dan. And then uh, I'll, I'll see you guys at the door. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for Dan. Uh, God, thank you for bringing him to us tonight. God, thank you for... Um, just like you've given him so much like creativity. He's got a very like unique way of looking at things and, um, and understanding things. And, and God, we're, that, that, that's something that we need, um, each of us need. And, and God, I'm so thankful you brought him here tonight, um, that he can be an encouragement to us and that we can be an encouragement to him. God, I pray that you'll work in his life. Um, I pray that um, no matter how busy schoolwork gets and, and, and no matter what the, like the, the things, the responsibilities he has are, um, God, that he'll know deep down inside um, that he can have peace through you. Um, God, I pray that as we leave, um, that you'll put on our hearts somebody uh, to take your name to, um, to bring you into their situation because, Jesus, you're the only hope we have and you're the only hope that anybody in this world has. I pray that you'll be with our backpack kids tonight. Um, throughout this holiday season as the weather gets cold and I know we're trying to round up some coats for them too and, and, and God there's just so many ways in which they really need people to meet their physical needs um, God I pray also that, that in their heart they will, know, they will know that while they may not have a great home life that there's a heavenly father in heaven who loved them enough to send Jesus to become a human loves them enough to send us as representatives of Jesus um, so God, I pray that you'll work in their hearts right now, that they'll feel loved, cared for, and valued by their Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen.